Thanks for listening to Hallelujah, I Have Breakthrough, hosted by Kiara Bryant. Listen every Wednesday and Sunday as Kiara talks about walking in victory, breakthrough, and overcoming by the Word of God. Everybody, happy Sunday and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here and listening. I apologize for my voice. I don't know what's going on, but um sorry for the way that I sound. It will go away soon in Jesus name. But in the meantime, sorry that you have to suffer through this voice. So as you can tell by the title for today's podcast episode, we're talking about moving. Are you moving? And moving can mean a lot. It can mean physically. It can mean spiritually. Just going forward, are you moving? So the first verse that I'm going to be reading today is 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 11. And if you have your Bible, go ahead and flip there with me, or if you're reading following along with your phone in the Bible app, go ahead and go to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 11. It says, When King David was settled in, the, in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan, summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of the Lord is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Go ahead and do whatever you have in mind. For the Lord is with you. But that same night, the Lord said to Nathan, Go and tell my servant, This is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house from the day that I brought the Israelites out of Egypt in this ver- to this very day, until this very day. I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet, no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I never have once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. And I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past. Starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies." So in verse 6, God says that he has never lived in a house from the day he brought the Israelites out of Egypt until that very day. He said he has always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as his dwelling. God is a moving God. He dwells in tents, in tents and in tabernacles. He is a tent dwelling, tabernacle dwelling God. He's the one who led Israel by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, just to show that he was always moving. So Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 through 22, and I'll read them really quickly. It says, the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and provided them light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day and by night. 
And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. And this was for 40 years Israel was in the wilderness after they made their exit from Egyptian captivity. And he was leading them. He was leading and guiding them. Therefore, they were always moving. And even once they reached their promised land, they were still moving and doing things like taking over territory. And along with him leading and guiding them by day and by night and being their source of cool in the day and leading them and then their light at night, God was giving them daily bread. He was giving them manna. Exodus chapter 16, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read verse 2 through 30. It says, There too the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I am going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food that they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day... They will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, By evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaints, which are against him, not against us. What have we done that you should complain about us? Then Moses added, The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning for he has heard all your complaints against him what have we done yes your complaints are against the lord not against us then moses said to aaron announce this to the entire community of israel present yourselves before the lord for he has heard you complaining and as aaron spoke to the whole community of israel they looked out toward the wilderness there they could see the awesome glory of the lord in the cloud Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp, and the next morning around the area of the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, It is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household shall gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So then the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when it measured out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses told them, Do not keep any of it until the morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept it until the morning. By then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was angry with them. After this, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes that they picked up melted and disappeared. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two. Then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. He told them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want 
today and set aside what it what is left for tomorrow. So they put some aside till the morning, just as Moses commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. Moses said, eat this food today, for today is the Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. You may gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day. There will be no food on the ground that day. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, How long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath day is, a, is the Lord's gift to you. That is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, that, so there will be enough food for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must, eat, you must each stay in your place. Do not go out to pick up food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. So God was giving them daily bread. He was giving them manna to last for the entire day, enough food to last for the entire day. And he said, don't keep any of this food for tomorrow because it'll go bad. And that's exactly what happened. It went bad. So God does not want us to survive on yesterday's provision or yesterday's word. There should always be something new daily that the Lord is doing in your life. And yes, there are, there are seasons. There are seasons of, of life that, you know, they're going to be longer than a day. But every day the Lord should be speaking something new, something that, that is more revelation about the season that you're in. Like, for example, the season that I'm in right now for this entire year is the year of no fear. So there is something daily that the Lord is speaking to me about growing in faith. But he doesn't want me to survive. He doesn't want me to look at, oh, what did I learn yesterday? I'm going to take that into today. There should always be a new thing. There should always be a new word, a new provision, something new that the Lord is doing in today, for today. So for you in your life, the Lord is doing something new each and every day, but you have to be in tune with him and you have to be willing to actually do it. If he spoke to you to do something six months ago and you still haven't done it, what are you waiting for? Especially if you're telling people, God, God has told me to do this. Well, when are you going to do it? He's not going to speak to you to do something else when you haven't even been obedient to what he told you to do last. Luke chapter 16 verse 10 says, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So you have to be faithful with the little things and then you'll be faithful in the large things. You know what God has called you to do, but you're not doing anything to get there. There has to be a time, there has to be a, a a day where you say, okay, today is the day that I'm going to do the thing that the Lord has told me to do. And I hope you're not being slow to being obedient because even if you're slow in obedience, it's still disobedience. And the Lord isn't rushing you. He's not putting a lot of stress on you because it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by the spirit. So you don't have to do things in your own power, but there is wasted time if you don't do the things that the Lord is telling you to do daily. You're being idle. And another word for idle is laziness. And I'm guilty of idle and laziness in certain areas of my life. And God really checked me while I was reading the book of Proverbs. You know, like this is something in this in this year that needs to be cut out of my life. 
I'm not struggling with this anymore. Proverbs 13.4 says, Lazy people want much, but get little. Another translation says they're never satisfied. But those who work hard will prosper. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 through 11 says, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Another translation says poverty will attack you like an armed robber. I remember the day, I remember the day that I was reading this verse. I was in my bed. I was laying down and I was like, you know, I'm tired. I'm probably going to take a nap. I'm just going to like turn on the Bible and like listen to it. And I was laying down. I had it playing. And this verse was being read like my eyes shot open when I heard this because that was me. It says a little more sleep, a little more slumber. Like, why am I taking a nap in the middle of the day? why that is that's not productive at all there are things that need to be done and not to say that you can't rest but honestly taking a nap in the middle of the day when there are things to be done laziness and this is just something personal for me but in this in this time and I I that's this is why I'm planning things out I talked to you guys about planning in the last Wednesday word episode and last week's Sunday episode the Lord like I've been I've been planning and spending time in prayer and like planning because I don't want to be idle I don't want to be lazy I want to be the most productive that I can be so I need to write down the list of tasks that I have to do every day. That way I'm not up until 2 a.m. and 1 a.m. editing podcast episodes. That way I'm not up at midnight recording podcast episodes. When all of that stuff can get done in the day and then I rest at night. And before I read this verse, I just want to preface like in no way am I interpreting the scripture to say anything that it doesn't say. I'm just saying this is something that the Holy Spirit kind of checked in me when I was reading this. So 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 5 through 8. And also, I'm not putting my conviction on you. You, this is not, I'm not saying that this is a sin. I'm not saying that this is something that you need to do. But personally for me, this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 5 says, For you are all children of the light. And of the day, and we don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear headed. Night is a time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. So when I was reading the first verse, when I was reading verse five, and it says that we're all children that we are children of the light and of the day and we don't belong to darkness and night. I just felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me like, why are you up so late at night? Why are you working at night when you've been not doing like a whole lot at all during the day? 
And after he, he spoke that to me, I just, you know, I was coming up with excuse after excuse after excuse. Well, I didn't have enough time to do this because I had to go pick up Mia from school or I didn't have enough time to do this because I had to do something for work or I didn't have enough time to do this because I I had to do this and I had to do that. I had a lot to do. And it was like, really? No, because in between those times where you were doing things, you were sitting on the couch and you could have been working and now you're up late at night when you should be resting. And I know what the I know what this verse is talking about is saying be sober minded. Nighttime is when sleepers sleep when people sleep and drinkers get drunk but we who live in the light I mean exactly what it says we live in the light and we're supposed to be clear-headed at all times protected by the armor of faith and love wearing as our helmet confidence of the confidence of our salvation so I know exactly what this scripture is saying and I'm not trying to push my convictions on you but this is just what I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me while I was reading this so planning is something that me personally I need to do in order to kick this um, laziness out of my life because the the hard truth is is that God does not like laziness he made us to work he made us to be fruitful and multiply and if you're not working then you're not producing if you're being idle if you're not doing anything if you're being lazy you're not producing anything and God does not like it when his creation that he made to be fruitful does not produce any fruit Luke chapter 13, verse 6 through 9 says, Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came out again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and not a single in this and there has not been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year. And I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Mark chapter 11, verse 12 through 21. It says, Then the next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. Skipping down to verse 20, it says, the next morning as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed that it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree the previous day and exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree that you cursed has withered and died. So in the first parable that Jesus said or Jesus um, told to his disciples, the man planted a fig tree and it didn't produce any fruit. And he said, it's been three years and this fig tree has not produced a single fig. So cut it down. And then in the second story, Jesus sees a fig tree, but there are no figs on it. There are leaves, but there are no figs. It wasn't producing anything. And God does not like things not producing things, especially when he created them to produce them. So Jesus cursed the fig tree and it withered up and it died. And I'm not saying that to say that Jesus is going to curse you if you don't produce anything. But if you really know him, if you really know Jesus and if you really know God, and I'm not saying, you know, one lazy day or a couple lazy days here and there. 
I'm talking about just full-blown, like, idle laziness. I watched, like, a Dr. Phil episode, and this guy was, like, claiming to be a Christian, and he just wanted to go live in the woods. Or no, he I think he was living with his parents. He was living with his family, and he claimed to be a Christian, but refused to do any work. He, he would quote scriptures, but use them the wrong way, and it was just pure laziness and his family took him on Dr. Phil and called him out for being lazy and he was using Christianity and you know whatever God had called him to do I I'm, I didn't watch the whole episode and I don't really know but he was using that as an excuse to not do anything like yes reading your Bible is good and spending time with the Lord is good but he also said if you don't work then you don't eat and I'm not here to tell people whether you're a Christian or not but if there is not something in you when you get saved when you give your life to the Lord if there is not something in you that wants to produce I would honestly question whether or not you have the spirit of the living God in you because he will always encourage you to produce he will always put you in the path he guides our path he guides our steps he will always put you on the path to produce And if you're not producing anything at all, and if I not even that, I would say if you have no desire to produce, I would question your salvation. If you have absolutely no desire after reading the scripture and you still say, no, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to work. I'm just going to read the Bible for the rest of my life. Live with my parents. If there is no desire in you to produce, I would seriously question whether or not you have the spirit of the living God in you, because he's always going to, the Bible says it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. So Christ living in me is always going to push me to produce and not push me in a way that it's like I'm a slave or I have no control or I have no choice, but he will give you his desires. We have the mind of Christ. And if you're still talking about something that the Lord told you or taught you or did for you two months ago or more or even maybe like a week, you know, maybe a little bit more than that. Let's just say two months to give you some time. It's time to move. And I'm not saying like if if God delivered you from like demonic oppression or if he healed you from cancer, testify of that all the days of your life. I'm not telling people who had miracles performed in their life, but I'm talking about a revelation that you got two months ago and you're still talking about that revelation. Don't you know that there are more revelations to gain from this word? Don't you know that there is a revelation that the Lord wants to give you each and every day? It's time to move. You have to move. Because he wants to take you from glory to glory. He doesn't want you to have glory and then a downslope, valley season, whatever that is. And then, oh, I'm on a mountain, back on the back on the glory. No, he wants to take you from mountaintop to mountaintop, from glory to glory. The word is our daily bread. He doesn't want us to be living on last week's bread. And you see that. In the book of Exodus, and the verses that I read to you before, and the verses that I just read to you, in Exodus, 
They had bread for them daily. They had provision for them daily. God did not want them to keep the bread from yesterday. He gave them new, fresh bread every single day. And while we're talking about last week's bread, your church is not your source of bread. You know, the word, the Bible says, this is our day. This is our bread. This is what we eat. This is what we consume is the word of God. So you going to church on Sundays is not going to fill you up. You going on to church on Sundays and expecting your pastor to give you a word that's going to last you for the whole week. That's not how God made us to be. He wants to be in constant fellowship with you. He wants to be teaching you things at all times. He wants to to be involved in your everyday life. He wants to be speaking something to you every single day, but you have to put yourself in a posture where you're listening. Church one day a week is not going to cut it. We're not meant to be living from last week's bread. And I know a lot of people have used this this um, illustration before or metaphor or whatever it's called, but you don't eat on Sundays and then expect to, to be full, full up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You don't eat once a week. You would die. Okay, maybe not die, but you would be like emaciated. Like you would be like skin and bones. So if that's what you're doing, imagine what your spirit man looks like. And I talked about it on the Wednesday word last week, but like how, how your your flesh and it, it all adds, it all plays a part in each other. Like if your flesh and your soul are stronger than your spirit, who do you think is going to win out? Who do you think is going to win the battle? Your spirit needs to be built up stronger than your flesh and stronger than your soul. That's why we fast and that's why we crucify our flesh and that's why we renew our mind. Because our spirit man should be stronger than our flesh. Our spirit man should be stronger than our mind, our will, and emotions. God does not want us to be living on one meal a week. There is daily bread. Jesus said in the in the Lord's in the Lord's prayer, "Give us today our daily bread." The word is our daily bread. A word, a fresh word from God is our daily bread. That's what feeds us. That's what sustains us. So the question is, are you moving? Are you moving? That's the question. God's people, just like God, were tent-dwelling people. They were constantly moving or doing something. They never just sat around idle. And I know that's the, you know, that's the thing with books. Like, books, they always have something going on. But you see it in the Word where somebody would be idle. And sorry, right now, I'm sorry to pick on David because I feel like everybody always picks on David. But you see, when David was sitting idle, he made the biggest mistake of his life. When David was not doing what he should have been doing, it says, in the season when kings went off to war, David stayed home. And what happened? He saw another person's wife up on a balcony, taking a bath, and was like, oh, I'm gonna sleep with her. And then he ended up having to kill her husband and it just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't good. If you know the story, you know that it wasn't good. So I know that's the nature of books to, to see that things are always going on, 
But God's people were never people who were just supposed to stay in the same place. God's people were tent dwelling people and they were constantly moving or doing something. And I don't mean tent dwelling people like they didn't have enough money for a home because Abraham was very rich. I talked about that in the episode until he became very prosperous. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob were very rich, but they lived out of tents because they were always moving. Hebrews 11, 8 through 10 says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So when God called Abraham to leave home, he left. He lived in tents by faith. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all lived in tents, but they were all prospering. They were all rich. They were tent-dwelling people because they would have to pick up their tents and move. You can't move a house. And what this is talking about is in Genesis. I mean, honestly, you see it throughout all of Abraham's life. But specifically, when God first called him to leave in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord gave Abraham the word to leave. And in verse 4 of Genesis chapter 12, it says, Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And in verse 6, it says, Abraham passed through the land. And in verse 8, it says, and he moved. And in verse 10, it says, Abraham went down to Egypt to dwell there. All of those things are just in Genesis chapter 12. And it goes on for Abraham's entire life. He was always moving. And it's not just the Old Testament. It's the book of Acts. Paul, Peter, Barnabas, all the other apostles, they were all moving. They were all doing work for the Lord. They were going to different parts of the world. They were all moving and spreading out to different parts of the world. They were always moving. They would spend years in one place and then move on to the next. Or they would go in the towns that they were passing through. They would preach. They were always moving. And Jesus, Jesus was moving. Jesus traveled with the disciples Matthew chapter 4 verse 23 says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 says, Jesus traveled throughout all the towns. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of sickness, disease, and illness. If you don't believe me, and I don't know why you wouldn't believe me, um, because yeah, God's people move and that's just a fact. But if you want to, if you have a physical Bible and like, and not even like if you don't believe me, but if you want to see it with your own eyes, because I don't have the time to read you every single verse in the Bible about somebody moving because it's throughout the entire thing. I promise you. But if you want to see it with your own eyes, if you have a physical Bible, or if you want to go online and look it up, 
because I'm sure there are resources online. But if you have a physical Bible, there's actually these like really cool things that nobody ever uses in their Bible, like ever. And if you just go right to the back, there are these maps. And if you look at the maps, mine has the world of patriarchs. I'm not really interested in that one right now. Exodus and the conquest of Canaan. That sounds good. So, okay. So I see right here and I'll, I'll post these pictures on Instagram too. So my Bible has the Exodus and conquest of Canaan and you can see routes, the little lines, the colored lines. You can see the routes that the Israelite people took and conquered land territory got territory and you can see that they were moving you know they were moving and then not only just that but my my bible and I'm sure yours probably too has Jesus's ministry and you can see that he moved a lot as well he moved around he moved all around Israel, like he, all around. And this was only three years of his ministry. He only was in ministry for three years and he moved quite a bit. He traveled quite a bit. And all this is by foot and boat. And then some of the last pages here that I have are Paul's missionary journeys. And man, oh man, did Paul move around like from whole continents to different continents. Like he went from Judea. So Israel, he went from Israel to Asia. And I think Asia today, <laughs> it was called Asia back then, but I think it's modern day Turkey from Judea to Syria, Galatia, Asia, Macedonia, Italy, Rome, like he he traveled a lot. And you can see each place that's documented in scripture that Paul went. So if you're looking at it right now or if you are on the inst my Instagram page and my Instagram page if you want to go look it up, it's at @hihb podcast on Instagram. And if you want to go look that up or you want to see like God's people, like I'm not kidding, like God's people always move like my goodness, did Paul move like and, you know, the Bible says that or Jesus says that we will do greater works than he than he did. So Jesus moved around a lot, but Paul went even more. You know, Jesus gave his ministry to Judea. He had to give his ministry to, to God's people first and then spread out to the Gentiles. But Jesus said that they would do greater, that we would do greater works than he even did. And I would consider this a greater work. So maybe, I don't know, like maybe the Lord is calling you to physically move somewhere else. I don't know. And this is, again, this is not a word of knowledge, but it, it may be a confirmation for somebody, but you should be moving spiritually you should be moving you are no longer in your last season and yesterday is gone and God is doing something new today he is giving you a fresh word and there is new manna for today for you to eat but you have to pick it up and eat it 
God has already provided everything that he's going to provide. He can't force you to eat. He can't force you to pick things up. But his word is your bread. His word is your manna, your daily bread. So you have to be the one to pick it up and consume it. Get in his presence and allow him to give you something fresh for today. Like I said, your last season is in the past. It's the last season. It was it, it was your last season. You're no longer in that season anymore. And I'm not saying you can't testify of the things that the Lord did for you in that season. But there should be something new happening now. You should be able to share what the Lord is doing for you in this season as well as the last season. You should be able to share what the Lord has been teaching you over the past week. Yesterday is gone and the bread from yesterday is gone. And I'm not saying that the word that the Lord gave you for yesterday or that the revelation that the Lord gave you for yesterday is gone because you still have it. And that's good. Like build on that. But God is giving you. He wants to give you a fresh revelation, a fresh word for today. He wants to give you new manna for today. We're not living in yesterday, but we're living in the present moment. We're living in today. So get in his presence and pray and allow him to teach you. Get in his word and allow him to speak to you through his word. Are you moving? Are you producing fruit? Are you being obedient to what the Lord has called you to do and told you to do? There's no time to waste out of your obedience. You don't know what kind of fruit will be produced from that. You don't know who the Lord is going to have you to speak to. You don't know who the Lord is going to have to to commit their life to Jesus because of you. There are literally lives on the line. There are people who are bound and need to be set free. There are people who need help. So be obedient to what the Lord has told you to do, what he has spoken to you to do. And it doesn't have to seem like it's this big thing and it doesn't really matter. Like maybe he told you to do something and it seems so small and insignificant in the natural. But there is a reason why he has told you to do that thing. And like I said in in Luke chapter 16 verse 10, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. If you want to get something larger from the Lord, you need to be faithful with a small seeming insignificant looking thing that the Lord has told you to do. Because if you're not faithful in that thing, you will not be faithful with greater responsibilities. It doesn't matter how small or non or unimportant it seems. If you want to be trusted with the larger things, with the big picture that you see, the big vision that you see, then you need to be faithful with where you're at right now. So in the beginning, I was talking about how God is a tent-dwelling God. He doesn't dwell in physical tents anymore or a tabernacle anymore. He dwells in a temple. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 says, It says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Paul refers to us as an earthly tent, our flesh body as an earthly tent. 
So God is a tent dwelling God and he made us his tent and now he dwells in us so long as you have repented of sin and confessed Jesus as Lord. And if you want the presence of God, if you want the the spirit of the living God to live in you, then you can have that chance to be born again. And I'll give that and I'll, I'll lead you in that prayer right now. What you need to know is that Jesus loves you. God loves you that he sent his only son. You know, like, yes, we're all sons and daughters, but God birthed Jesus. He was the only one who has who who got his DNA. Jesus didn't have an earthly father like we do. God was literally his his father, his flesh and blood father, you know? So that was his only son, and he sent him down here to die a brutal death, live a perfect life, die a death that he didn't deserve. And he rose from the dead on the third day so that you and I would not have to perish for an eternity in hell. He made a way that we could be reconciled with the Lord and be righteous in his sight. All you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for you and confess him as your Lord and Savior. That's it. It's that simple. It's a free gift. So if you want to give your life to Jesus today, you can do that with me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I have sinned and I repent of all my sin. I believe with my heart that Jesus lived died and rose again on the third day just for me i confess with my mouth that jesus is my lord and my savior come into my heart wash me clean and help me and give me the strength to live for you in jesus name amen and if you've done that you are born again You may not feel like you're born again. You may feel like you're the same person, but you take your salvation by faith. And you know that today is the day that I was going to hell. I was on my way to hell, but today is the day that I made myself right with God. And now I can spend my eternity in his presence. And there's so much more that comes with salvation. There's so much more that comes with giving your life to the Lord. So continue to listen to this podcast and learn how to walk in all of the promises of God. But you have now been born again. You are now in the kingdom of light. You're no longer your old self. You're a new creature. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You have been born again. You have a new identity and it's as a child of the most high God. You are seated at, you are seated in joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ in heavenly places. Thank you guys so much for listening today and be encouraged to take a step of faith, no matter how big or how small. 
and do what the Lord has put on your heart to do. Do what he told you to do that you haven't done yet. He's not going to make a, a plan B. You know, if I if I stop doing this podcast right now because I just didn't feel like doing it anymore, if I stop doing this podcast, the second I start praying to the Lord about what I should do now, he's going to tell me to do the podcast. There's not this is this is what he's given me. This is what he has given me to do. I can't just quit and expect him to to make an alternate plan for my life. No, if I want to get to where I, I'm, I need to go, if I want to get to where I want to go, if I want to walk in the full promises and the full blessing and full obedience to God, this is what I have. And this is what I'll do. Don't think that something is too big or too insignificant for you to do. Because there's nothing that's too big. You look at you look at it and you're intimidated. Don't be intimidated by what the Lord has called you to do. And in the same way, be humble enough to do the thing that you don't think that is worth it. Because you don't know what is attached to that thing. You don't know what fruit is attached to that thing. So be encouraged today and walk in obedience to the Lord. He's not going to lead you down a path that's going to harm you. He's not going to lead you down a path that's going to cause you to stray. And remember, you're not doing it in your own strength. You don't do it in your own power. It's not by might and it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And how do you do it in the spirit? Before you do anything, you get in his presence and you pray. You get in tune with his spirit. And I talked about that in my episode on Wednesday, the Wednesday word about plans. So if you want to listen on how to how to walk in the spirit, and I'm sure that I've done other episodes, I just can't remember them off the top of my head. But walking in the spirit, I know that I talked about that um, last week or this week. Nope, last week on Wednesday. So go listen to that episode and yeah, just get in the word, get in prayer And the Lord will show you which path to take. He will show you. He will guide your footsteps. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys are having a great Sunday. And I will be talking to you guys tomorrow with another episode of A Year of No Fear. And then on Wednesday with a Wednesday word. Love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. And bye.